Welcome back to Football School. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by Charlie Hume. And Charlie, we have the victory bell. We had the victory bell. We've had it for three straight years, but it's great to have it back in our presence and revitalized, rejuvenated, and it's so great to have the juice again. It, it, it is great to retain the victory bell, and, <laughs> and what that means is that your biological mother, my adopted North Carolina mother, Billy Frazier, she's yes. got the glow back. She's got the she's got the victory bell glow. <laughs> the aura, yes. The, the aura. It's something you really love to see. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's it's. We talked about this kind of last week. It, it was you know deflating the sort of track we'd been on. You know, picking up a second loss against Georgia Tech. So you're kind of looking at your goals for the season. What what can you do to really feel like you succeeded in some department? And one of them is winning the state championship that Mac Brown has brought mm. back and, and made important. And so you got to beat Duke and then you got to beat Wake and then you got to beat State. And you know, you can't worry about Wake and State until you beat Duke. And we did that. So <laughs> there we go. We we, we 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 did two big things this weekend and and retaining the bell and taking one step towards winning that state championship. At this point in the season, I will take of those take both of those happily. Yeah, those are W's, and you mentioned the state championship, and we might as well point this out. If you do a power rankings of the ACC, as most of the people do in the media that you and I, you know, if we if we were producing ACC content, we would say, hey, we need the power rankings. Number one on the power rankings is the, is the only undefeated team in the ACC, Wake Forest, one of the teams that we have to beat to win the state championship. The number two team on that list is NC State, the team that knocked off Clemson, and a team that's 4-1 and one right now with their only loss being on the road at an SEC team, Mississippi State. So right now, like you said, step one is done, but step two and step three are going to be a lot more difficult because those teams look really, really good right now, especially Wake Forest, NC State, you know, we'll see, but we know going to Raleigh is always going to be a tough game. So that's where Carolina kind of sits. This game, you were at this game. We can talk about that a little bit. This game started off horribly, Charlie. I was watching this at nine in the morning. I had gone out for a birthday party the night before. I had a great time. Get home late. You know, it's a you know four a.m. Friday night. The game starts at nine. So I have about four and a half hours of sleep before this game t- kicks off. But of course, I'm up and at him, and I'm ready. And the team did not look ready. So what did it feel like in Keenan Stadium as we we had a very rocky start? We get things rolling, and obviously we ended up blowing out Duke thirty-eight to seven. But before that, it it was a little tough. Even my dad texted me and was like, "Same old shit," you know what I mean? Like, what's going on with our Tar Heels? But we did get it together. But what was the start like in the building? It, it was you know it was nine a.m. on your coast. It was noon on our yeah. coast. Whatever it was, it felt, everyone's tired. It felt wholly deserved given the way we'd been playing to to have a noon kickoff. But it was also just very odd. Like I think you know we did the slightest bit of pre-gaming for this game but i ended up shotgunning a coors light in the craig parking deck <laughs> the the craig lot and uh and then like rushing into the game and sitting down with my wife who as we were walking in i was thinking about it, i was like i don't think i've been in keenan since the fedora era like since western wow. carolina against fedora because i think in 2019 i was living in dc and I, I we went to the opener in charlotte but that was it yep. and then there were no fans last year so it was the first time back in a long time and you know it was great to kind of get in there, sit in your seats, and and you're excited. You know, my, you know my wife who went to Virginia Tech is is wearing her Carolina stuff. She's ready to see us yeah, to be doing good day. And it's yeah. kind of it's kind of flat coming out of the gate, you know. And and I think that it's it's the the bummer is is that it is you know not to get too pessimistic about a game we won 38 to seven, but it feels like there are some of the same unnerving things that are happening that have kind of happened all season long that have, you know, bit us at a lot of times. Like one is the offensive line, like where yes. we're continuing to have issues protecting the quarterback. We <laughs> we're playing like 15 centers at this point that they are pulling. You, you probably could have played center in this football game at some point. Cause at one point they put it a guy number 52 who didn't even look like a center. I was like, is this guy the long snapper? What the hell? They, they, yeah. They're, they're throwing centers at the wall and seeing which of those centers stick. I think Caden uh, Baker got some run there. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. it, it's been and that was supposed to be in Brian Anderson prior to him getting hurt. One of the strong points on that line. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, there's there there are things that, you know, need to be shored up if if, you know, our goal is to win out the rest of the season and show people we're worthy of mm-hmm. all the things that were said you know about us preseason. Um, so this is it's a step in, in one sense. It's a step in the right direction. In another, it's like, oh, boy, you know, this was not this was a not very good Duke team. What does that mean for Notre Dame? or Wake, or Pitt, or any of those teams that we're looking at, and we're like, they, this, these are going to be tests. 
You've heard this before in the football world. There are some times when your line might not block so well because they might not like what, you know, Shane Falco and the replacements. You know, the line doesn't block for him because they think he's getting too big for his britches. Or Paul Crew in the longest yard when Adam Sandler's there. And then, you know, he admits that he threw the game at halftime. They're like, I'm not blocking for this guy. It felt like that's what the line was doing to Sam Howe at times. And I'm not saying that they have those feelings towards Sam, but we need them to block with some heart. We need them to block with some vigor. We need them to not want our quarterback to take the hits that he's hitting, that he's getting. And I, and I hope that we are moving toward that direction. Mac Brown said uh, in his post game, or actually during the week, that you know he was going to be looking to the transfer portal for centers. So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, these are the things that are happening with the program right now. Like you said, it's not to be pessimistic, but it's also to point out, even in a 38-7 to blowout, which we love, we appreciate, we enjoyed watching, it's good, strong Carolina football is sending a message to Duke. You have no chance against us, even though you're on a three-game winning streak. At the same time, like you said, we have to shore up some things. We have to figure out what's going with the O-line. We have to figure out if Sam maybe didn't give them some bojangles that they were deserved or something like something's going on. I, I that's all I know. They gotta they gotta sort some things out. Um, because the talent is there and we saw it again. I mean, Josh Downs, he kinda doesn't even have a a, a amazing game, right? But he, he does statistically it's eight receptions, hundred and sixty eight yards and one touchdown, and it just makes magic out of nothing. In fact the touchdown that he scored almost was a pick six, but Josh Downs turns it into a touchdown. That's what he can do. Josh Downs rolls out of bed on Saturday, and by the time he puts his feet on the ground, he has eight catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. It's, it's actually, very Tyler Hansbro. It's, yeah. it's actually unbelievable. Like Every time I look at a box, because in this game, he actually dropped a touchdown, and, and it was one yep. of those moments where like, wow, like Josh, Josh Downs is not – like a robot constructed to receive footballs and score touchdowns. Like he, he is a human being who is fallible and makes mistakes. Like, and, and, and you look at his line, eight catches, 168 yards, another touchdown. So I think that it, it's, it's probably good to redirect in that direction. There were a lot of good things that happened this game. Cameron <laughs> yeah. Kelly, who's a backup safety, had a team high seven tackles and interception. You know, I, I think a transfer from Auburn that probably should be playing more. Yeah. Probably should be playing more. And, and the defense, you know, for all the nasty things we've said about the defense in the wake of the Georgia Tech loss, held Duke. I don't care what how good Duke's team is, held them to seven points. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. So there are there are things to take from this game that are positives. It's just that I think that for for the really for the rest of the season, we're gonna hold this team up to a preseason standard that maybe was unfairly sort of, you know, placed on us. And, and you know, it, it, but but it, the odd thing even there is that it's it's somewhere in between. It's like maybe we were ranked too high, but we certainly aren't this bad because we have things like five returning offensive linemen. And so the fact that those things still crop up, it, it's just it's one of those things. It's it, it's been hard. It's been very difficult this season to walk away from wins and say, great, I feel great about the yeah. next game we're playing. Five returning offensive linemen, and each one of them gave up a sack. We gave up five sacks in this game uh, and ten tackles for loss. So, I mean, if, you, if you're doing the stats and you care about that kind of stuff, we're not doing so hot in that department. So something needs to be changed. Uh, you know, Mac Brown has fired Manny Diaz in the middle of a season before because he is like, you are not performing up to the state. I, I would, if I were the offensive line coach in North Carolina, you know, Searles, I believe is his name, you might want to be looking, you know, in the white pages. I don't even know if people do that anymore, but, you know, get on Craigslist or whatever because someone else may need your services very soon if this line continues to let Sam take these hits, which, again, I feel like it might be more of a personal thing. I don't want to be the body language doctor here. Um, that's not my job, but it, it can't be this easy to hit Sam Howell. That's all I got to say. It cannot be this easy. And right now, teams are teeing off on him. And we want this man to be healthy. We want him to help lead us to a great season and then move on to his NFL career. And that's not going to happen if we let him keep getting hit like this, Charlie. And I, I don't like it. I don't like to see it. And I want it to be shored up quickly. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, not to, not to jump too far ahead here, but uh, Mac Brown might fire Manny Diaz for the second time in the middle of the season, you know, while not even being employed <laughs> at the same school that Manny Diaz is. Uh, if, yeah, if he's things... responsible for that man's firing. Yes, yeah. he just he just might. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think, you know, it's, it's whether it's the coaching, whether it's the players, whether it's, you know, um, I think part of it could be a seeming uh, con continuity that you have on the line, but in reality – with Anderson coming in and out because he's injured and certain pieces moving in and out, it, there's less of a feeling of cohesiveness and continuity than people think that there should be there. I don't know yeah. what it is. I just know that a good football team should not have those types of issues at this point in the season. And if you are having those issues, issues you're probably not that great of a football team.
I think I have a fix. And uh, I went to Monday Night Football last night. I went to go watch the Raiders play the Chargers. As you know, Charlie, I got Charger season tickets. I, I've jumped on the bandwagon. Bolt up, baby. And, <laughs> bolt up. I think what we need, and this might be something that we can reach out to the staff. AJ, so, someone, AJ Blue, somebody. we got to get them to convince Sam to watch tape of Derek Carr. I know Sam is a, a proud Christian man. I know you know Derek Carr is a, is a very Christian man as well. He needs to take a little bit out of Derek Carr's book, which is, just quickly get it out of my hands. You know what I mean? Take the easy play and get it out of my hands because I don't want to get hit. And I'm not saying that Sam needs to go all the way to Derek Carr level where he doesn't even try to make a pass down the field. But at some level, he needs that. And when he does get rid of the ball quickly to a Ty Chandler, we've seen Ty Chandler catch the ball and make plays. I mean, he was great this game. Two receiving touchdowns. Um, you know, had one of the most explosive plays. Kind of got the offense open early in this one. And Sam needs to get that going. He needs to be able to to relinquish the ball. He needs to be able to say, hey, Josh Downs isn't open here. I'm going to take this dump off because that's what they're giving me. He's still trying to hit the home run every single time. And, look, I love Barry Bonds, but sometimes we need a base hit. You know what I mean? And that's what Sam's got to work on. And, and Derek Carr, watch the tape. Man, man never looks for a home run. <laughs> he doesn't care about it. He's all about the base hits. De Derek Carr, no doubt, learned from watching his older brother, David, who uh, was sacked <laughs> relentlessly uh, with the Houston Texans. <laughs> David also, who, by the way, as many people know, uh, was raised in Fresno and I'm a big Fresno State Bulldogs fan. This has been yeah. well documented on this podcast. So, uh, you know, I, I know how good a quarterback who is committed to throwing, getting the ball out quickly can be. Uh, so, yeah. so I, I, I agree with, with the point made. I mean, I think that there, there is some stat that I'm not going to be able to pull off the top of my head, but it's number, you know, number of seconds before Sam releases the ball and you look at all mm. of his, you know, completion percentage, you know, yards thrown for touchdowns when he releases it before that number, maybe it's like three seconds, three and a half seconds, something like that. And it's amazing. And everything after that is terrible. And you could say, Charlie, obviously, like that's the name of the game. Like no one who holds onto a ball a long time is going to have better <laughs> stats, you know, for obvious reasons. But at the same time, sometimes you just look at something that simple and say, okay, we just have to be committed to doing that. You know, I think we had we had, we had TJ Yates on uh, a few weeks ago, and he was talking yep. about the simplicity of the offense he ran. And I think he caught a lot of unfair flack at Carolina for throwing the ball away and doing things that weren't, you know, fun or exciting. But then you look at, like, the reality of the situation, and, like, a lot of those times he wasn't taking sacks that took us out of field goal range or – you know, putting the ball in a dangerous place because he's trying to extend a play and throwing an interception or turning it over with a fumble or something like that. Like, yeah. there is a reason why you, you, you try to operate within a, a framework that's going to keep you efficient and it's going to minimize your, your your risk. And I think that, mm. that Sam, for better or worse, you know, he's entering the year with, with Heisman hype and he wants to be the best version of himself. I commend him for that. But there are times where it's like, hey, man, you're a great quarterback. Just you're not every, – every throw is not going to go for a touchdown – just take what they give you. If you have to throw it away, you know, that's fine. We'll get in the next drive instead of it, it you know, yeah. ending up in a much worse place for both the team based on the score line and also the defense by giving them a short field every time. Yeah, I don't need highlights every single play, even though I love Sam Howe and I, and I love making highlights and I love Josh Downs making highlights that we enjoy. It doesn't have to happen every single play. But speaking of highlights that we do love, Charlie, we have a man who gave us one of the greatest highlights in North Carolina football history this century. His name is Nick Weiler, and he threw the tomahawk chalk down on Florida State football and basically, in our opinion, ended their dynasty, ended their program. And uh, should we get to Nick? Because we got to talk to him and let him tell the story himself. We, we've, we've got a great stat for you after the break on Nick. Look out for that. But let's, let's get to a, a Carolina legend, Nick Weiler. Hey, babe. The day before last week's Duke win marked the fifth anniversary of North Carolina, trailing by one point with four seconds left, the ball at the Florida State 37, and Nick Weiler attempted a 54-yard field goal to take the North Carolina Tar Heels over the Florida State Seminoles, number 12 in the country at the time. Myself and Charlie, we were watching at my brother's bachelor party in Montreal, and we celebrated in legendary fashion that evening, but not nearly as legendary as the man who made that kick, then proceeded to charge down the sideline doing the tomahawk chop. His name is Nick Weiler, and Nick Weiler, we're doing the job for you. Welcome to football school. I'll give, I'll give you guys a few. I'll give you guys. <laughs> no, we appreciate that, on, guys. It's, it's it's a pleasure. I'm super pumped. It's it's so great to have you. You know, to celebrate. You know, the, it's crazy. Five years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's too long. It feels it feels like yeah. It feels like it was just yesterday. But you know, before we even get to that kick, that moment, that game. 
I'm really curious because I want to go back to less than a year before that game you also kicked in Miami at home November 2015 where y'all went up 45 zip before they winning 59 to 21 so Marquise Marquise Williams throws the U down was that was that the the genesis of the idea to hit the chop was like was were you inspired by Marquise in that game you know what probably a little bit I I don't know um I've told this story so many times I don't know what inspired me to do it but I will say when Queese did that I was like oh hell yeah that is awesome like I was pumped I wanted I wanted to do it you know that's probably why I waited for the one chance I could get credit for doing it and uh I don't know it took a year later to get there but um yeah I I remember after I was doing it I was kind of thinking like what the hell am I doing because I was I started down their sideline and I was like I remember being kind of close to the side. I was like, one of these guys could step out and absolutely just wreck me right now. Like, I'm surprised mm-hmm. they didn't. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I'll, I'll give Cleese a little bit of credit there because it was awesome when he did that. And I don't know if he was planning that either. Yeah, well, a lot of people have said that North Carolina killed Florida State football and also killed Miami football mm-hmm. um, with both those actions. And, look, we're not saying that. Just a lot of other people have said that to us. So we're just reporting what we've heard, Nick. And uh, yeah. I – we have, we have to take credit because we are a football school. And I think we took – you know, like in Space Jam when the ball has the talent, you know what I mean, and it gets sucked out? I think that's what we did. We sucked the football school magic out, and now it's us. Now it's our time. Yeah, the Big 12 uh, outlawed the horns down. I, I feel like they saw us do that, and they kind of, you know, they didn't want their uh, talent to get taken. And guess what happened to the Big 12? They lost Texas and Oklahoma, so we got rid of them too. Now they're yeah. not a football conference. We are. <laughs> It is actually it's amazing how often we do things like this because we did the we did the U down again yeah. last year. I, I think <laughs> Sam hit it once, and there might have been someone else in there. And then of course Josh Downs with the the anti gigum, the yeah. thumbs down, whatever you want to call, it, and the Orange Bowl. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> it, but there is there is some some ounce of truth to what Tate's saying about like do you do you know what Florida State's record was after your kick? Like out of curiosity. No, I don't. I know that. Well, well, we've done the research. 29 29 and 31. Like, I think you ended the Florida State program with that. Yeah, that's shocking. That that much history at that program, you expect them to have a better winning record than that. And that's tough. And at the time, I mean, it was kind of like Clemson is possibly right now where Francois was, you know, supposed to be just coming in right after Jameis. They were going to have this great defense. They were going to continue to be this top program with Jimbo and all was fine. And just like that, Nick Weiler makes a kick, does a, does a tomahawk chalk, and the rest is history. Yeah, and you know what? Like, after that game, uh, we were playing Duke on a Thursday night that year. Yep. And I remember I hit a couple kicks. I was feeling great. ESPN was there. I was like, I'm going to have to kick a winning field goal this game. I'm going to do Blue Devils down. And, like, <laughs> did my thing. Like, I was thinking it, like, on the sideline. That was premeditated if I was able to do it. Oh, yeah. That – that is so great. Well, so, and so we, we've talked a lot about it. We talked around yeah. it. I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but just, so just take us back to that game, right? Like the, the, the drive, that last drive, I think burned three plays in 19 seconds. Yeah. So like, take us through what you were thinking, warming up on the sideline, like preparing for that moment. Like, what was that like from start to finish for you? Yeah. You know what? So I missed, I missed like a 51 yarder earlier in the game in the yep. first or second quarter. Um, and I was really pissed off because I was feeling so good and warm. It was one of those games where, um, you know, you're on the driving range, you're hitting all your clubs, you're like, this is gonna be, I'm, I'm going low today. That's how it felt. And <laughs> to like to miss a kick that I knew I was making like 60 yarders and warmest, I was so pissed off. Then later in the game, they had that D lineman that had blocked like three kicks that year already. Yep. Um, we had a sky report on him, we knew it was coming. And then he gets the hand on the extra point right before they go down, score. So I was like, Oh crap! I I just lost the game. Like it, it's a team effort, but like if I make that extra point, we don't. We're tied right now. Um, I remember Fedora coming up to me the whole time. Florida State was like bleeding down the clock. I was like, at this point, just let them score. Like give us a little bit of time to try to get a field goal. Um, Fedora came up to me like right before we got the ball and was like, "Get ready to kick it. Like we're gonna kick it from wherever." I told him I, I think I told him like fifty five or something that game. Um, He's like, we're going to kick it from whatever. I saw you make 60. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to kick like a 65 <laughs> harder, you know, and like I missed the extra point. No way I'm making that thing. So I remember thinking like, if this is inside 60, like I'm going to make this. Just get there. And knowing our offense that year, like 
we were so explosive. I was like, we actually have a good chance of getting down the field. I was just worried about timeouts and staying, you know, close to the sideline. So the penalty helped a bunch. Um, but we got down there. I was like, all right, this is, this is good. I feel good about this. And they called a timeout. And then like, it started to hit me like icing the kicker obviously didn't work, but I could see how that gets to you because <laughs> we're going nuts the whole time. Um, it's a, it's a close state and they're right on the sideline. I kind of remember like, I'm not going near the sideline. Cause then I'll start being able to hear like the actual, yeah, they're talking yeah. all game. And I remember Matt came up to me. Um, he was like, he's from DC area. He said like, do it for the DMV. We got this. Mitch came up to me. Love you no matter what. And those are like two things that stuck out from that game. Um, and I was like, I got this teammates behind me went up there. I remember I was like, just kick it high enough where this guy's not going to block it again. He just blocked your last kick. And I remember getting like perfect contact on it from the left hash, trying to keep it, you know, nice little baby draw inside the right upright. And I was like, second it went off my foot, I was like, I just got to see his hands go up because you can, from that far, it can be deceptive of like how far or how close it is. I might've got two under it landing short or something. Um, but the ref put his hands up and then that's when I took off and I was like, I don't know. I, I wish I could tell you <laughs> why I started doing it. But I remember I was like, F these guys, like I'm going to their sideline. I'm rubbing in their face. Like, yeah, they're talking crap the whole game. So then I, I was basically saying like, take that, take that, you know? And then I was thinking, all right, I want to get back to the boys and celebrate them. So I'm rounding the end zone. I was like, <laughs> our whole fan section was right there in that corner um, that we got the dog pile. And I was running, like I was either going to run in the stands or run through our tunnel. I didn't decide yet. I remember I was just like, just get over there. And then some camera guy comes up right in front of my path, take a picture and we deck him dog pile on top. I remember <laughs> the bottom is right next to me. Uh, oh that's amazing the the craziest part to me nick was you know as watching as a you know fans like we said we were at my brother's bachelor party there's like 11 carolina guys one state guy in the room who's like all bad vibes trying to yeah. send trying to like curse you and like do voodoo things like yeah. you know what i mean so this is all happening classic you know watching a carolina game and as we sat there you know I, my brother knows everything about the team he's like nick's never made i, I think you hadn't made a, a field yeah. goal right over 50 yards in your it career was 48 was my long yes yeah. yeah, exactly. So my brother says something like that, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, he's never made anything over 50. And, and the thing about it was, like, I had a strong leg and yeah. hit all these long kicks in practice. It just never worked out. Like, I missed that 51-yarder, and I think I attempted, like, one of 50 before that. Like, we just didn't hit long kicks. It was either we were inside their 30 or yeah. we would get stopped on the first, you know, first offense. Yeah, and then so, and then so you what, get over it, and then I mean the confidence of that I think is what I, I was so impressed with. You know what I mean? Because you kicked it like it was a regular, regular thing. Like you do this yeah. all the time, and that's why it made it even more like your celebration was like, "This is what I do." Like you guys screwed up by giving <laughs> yes. me this fifty-four yard kick, which is amazing. I, I'll say this: like I'm not your stereotypical kicker. Like I I grew up playing safety and receiver in high school. I yeah. loved off-season workouts. And, you know, during our summer challenge where we play different games, like, I love talking crap. Like, that's one thing that all, all my teammates would say. In the way you're in whatever runs, like, I'm going to talk a lot of the time. So, as a kicker, you don't really get an opportunity to do that, you know? Yeah. I run down on kickoff, try to make a tackle every time, and that's when I'll talk crap, but that's it. <laughs> so, being able to hit with a field goal like that and just, like, do any sort of trash talking was basically what I was trying to do. Ugh, it was perfect. That was, I mean, that, that was, that's so, that's such a great moment in time because I just, I do remember, you know, jumping on the furniture, this like well-appointed <laughs> Montreal apartment that we definitely should not have been stepping yeah. on and bouncing up and down and turning and watching you hit the chop for the first time. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> like not only the kick and the win in the moment, but like, look at the confidence that this guy has. Like we, it, it was just it's one of those moments where you're like, I'm so proud to be a Carolina football fan. So, so I, I got to know, right? Like you, you dogpile, you know, you, you head back to the locker room. Did y'all have to get out of there quickly? Or like, what, what was the post-game celebration like? Did you guys get to take it out a little longer after that? You know, uh, we definitely, you do media after. So I remember it, I did the ESPN like interview right at midfield. Um, 
Yeah, because you instantly became like a, a meme, a gift. Like you, yes. you were everywhere. Like if you went on like SB Nation, it was like Carolina Kicker gives Tomahawk Chop. Like it, had, it was all everywhere. I'm not kidding. I had like this crappy like iPhone 5 at the time. Where I, like it was a super old iPhone and it was already on its last leg. I turned my phone on after the game and like it started going off so much with like text messages and voicemails and calls that like it just shut down. And I was like, <laughs> one time that like I would love to have my phone on after the game. And I it, I was like, I'm just gonna leave it off, enjoy the moment, whatever. And uh, I remember, you know, getting the the belt that you give to like some guy who makes good play on offensive defense or one. And finally, they got to give it to a specialist probably the first and only time. But uh, we lingered around. We did media after interviews. Um, I don't re- really remember like much of that part. Like, everyone was going so much after the game that like I kind of remember leaving the stadium. Um, I remember someone hit me up and was like, you got to record something for Barstool. Like you send it like a video. And I was like, I'm already at the stadium. Like no one's around. I'm going to talk to my parents. Like just, just send something. So I sent something to Caleb Presley. And I was just like, yeah, this is Nick Wilder outside of Florida state stadium. <laughs> uh, you know, go heels Saturdays for the boys. And then they posted that. And it was like, came over. Like I remember I got so many DMS and messages, like good and bad, like probably bad outweighed the good, to be honest. <laughs> and that's how it always works, Nick. That, that's the that. farce of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. But then uh, I remember we, you know, had a good time on the plane getting back. Everyone was in great spirits. And then I remember I was like, I had, you know, I didn't usually do this for away games because they drop you off and take a bus back to the stadium after the airport. And I remember thinking like, God, I'm going to have to go home, drive home, and then like celebrate after. I was like going into the game thinking that we were going to win. I was like, I just want to be able to go out right after the game straight from the stadium so i brought like going out clothes had them just like hanging up in my locker and i get back like everyone's like oh, i gotta go home and change like i was like i gotta go out and celebrate like all you guys are coming with me right now like we're like, <laughs> not wasting a moment of this night that is so great well and I, and I gotta ask too like we're 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 looking at you now you've got you've got the white Titleless hat on with the Carolina blue script. Love <laughs> yeah. those such as they're using golf metaphors to talk about hitting kicks with draw. Like you're in a different phase of your life than you were then. At what point did you did you ditch the long hair and headband look? Because that was that was I think also part of the iconic the memes yeah. that emanated from this game was that whole you in the doing the press conferences looking like the, just the coolest person alive. Yeah, I <laughs> I looked back at this picture though like God, what a time, what a time. No, the the reason I cut my hair was. Um, I got, I got picked up by Jacksonville for mini camp right after school. And my agent at the time was like, I, I don't know, like if the long hair is helping you out with a lot of these teams, like you should cut your hair. And I was like, really? Like, I think you're just saying that. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. And I'm like, literally, I, I think this is the only words he ever said to me. I was there for two different mini camps and it was Coughlin at the time. He was there. Um, he was like, you cut mm-hmm. your hair? And I was like, kind of laughed it off. And I was like, Oh yeah, and he's like, so you are cutting it. And I was like, shit, like wow. maybe I should cut my hair. He's saying, that. but uh, no. So I, I remember I got back from that mini camp, and I was like, I was like, called the agent. I was like, shit. that's the most NFL story you can ever hear. You know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> no. like it, it really is so NFL. You know, uh, like cut your hair. It's, it's, it's such a great casual nugget. Tom Coughlin <laughs> made Nick Weiler Carolina legend, and probably blackballed you. Behind, on, he probably blackballed you behind the scene for laughing at the question. You know what I mean? He probably made some phone calls like, don't get, don't get this guy. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I he, mean, that's the NFL. That's I, what I'm saying. They had me back for another mini camp, but didn't take for preseason. So maybe that was it. No. I, I have like only like two or three stories from that time, but one of them is the team meeting. We introduced ourselves and Jalen Ramsey was like two rows ahead of me. He's like, yeah. you UNC kicker last year? And I was like, yeah. And he got up, stood up like he was going to fight me. And he was like, wow. Serious? And I was like, oh man, this is a great start to camp. It was literally the first meeting. <laughs> So it's safe to say Jalen Ramsey took the chop personally. Yeah. 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 That's when I was like, damn, I should watch my back while I'm (laughs) Like, I'll say it this way. Like, we would have loved to see you had a long and prosperous career kicking for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the fact that you showed off, pissed, showed up, pissed off Tom Coffin for not cutting your hair, and then pissed off Jalen Ramsey for hitting the chop after you beat his alma mater is like maybe the most Carolina football like thing you could do. I love that so much. Yeah. No. So, yeah, that's. I cut the long hair for that. I was like, I don't want this to affect 
anyone up, you know, any other teams while they're looking at me. And I had to get a job at some point, make some money. I didn't <laughs> looked as good as a short haircut in interviews. Yeah, God, man, that's the real world. Uh, you know, that's why we like talking about you know Carolina football and just jumping back into that space because, like you yeah. said, it's it, what a time. Um, and. Uh, this show, we kind of started the season, Nick. We had a very, you know, we know the formula. We know how to get to the playoff if we are North yeah. Carolina. We win the Coastal, we beat Clemson and Charlotte, and we go to the CFP. It, it yeah. is simple. It is it is a three-step process. And you almost were a part of this process. And we were all there. We all convened in Charlotte. And there was an offsides call that really broke our hearts. And I, I just wanted to take you back to that time. Do you remember, you know, obviously you remember that game and that yeah. moment and that time, but we were right on the precipice of really being onto something and, and making and taking that next step. And and it's not far fetched that we can do it again. Right? No, not at all. I, I think this year it's still a possibility. Um, you know, oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, the coastal chaos is real, right? I, I can't tell you how many times we thought we were in a good position or an impossible position, you know, week four or five. And then later in the season, everyone beats everyone and it's up for grabs. You're like, wow, if we just went out, then we're good. So yep. that could very likely happen this year. I would never rule that out. But mm. the program as a whole is, you know, we all see how we're recruiting. We got amazing facilities, staff. I, I don't see how we don't dominate the coastal every year going forward. I know that's high expectations, but we got to start thinking that way. We're a football school, right? I mean, yeah. the, the year we had in 2011, like, seeing how this amazing team that we have this year has two losses already. I was like, I remember we texting some of the guys after we were like, that was one hell of a season. Like maybe we don't appreciate that 11 and one season as much as the people that played in it did, because we still felt like it was a letdown. Like when we look back on that season, it's like that offsides call should never been called. Like we made mistakes against Clemson. We easily should have won that game and gone to the playoff. Mm. Do, do you yeah. remember the feeling on the sideline? Cause I mean, in the stadium, we all obviously, I mean, it was the collective like gasp of, I can't believe this is actually happening. But do you remember just the feeling on the sideline? Because like you said, we, ex we expected to win the game at that point. Yeah. And we were like, I, I think at that point, since I started with the kickoff team, I think we were like four for seven on onside kicks or four yeah. for like wow. a ridiculous percentage. Um, some of those were like surprise kicks that I did. But still, like we felt confident about onside kicks. We worked at like Fedora – he works so much on special teams. We tried onside kicks every week in practice. Like we did it. We did reps of those all the time. Three phases of the game, baby. Smart, fast, yeah, physical. Exactly. So we like, I felt confident going into it. We recovered the first one. Hunter Crawford did. I remember I was like second man on him to the ball to the point where like, I'm picking him up celebrating and they call off sides. And I'm like, I had a unique view of that because on that kick, basically what we do is we have three different kicks we can do. It's left, right, middle. And I look at the numbers on all the sides or the middle and the spacing in the middle. I decide which way we're going to go. And I say, you know, a signal to the whole kickoff team. And that's where we're going to go. So no one knew when we were going to field, which way we we're going with it. We went left, which means I wasn't kicking it. So I called left and I was like, we're going to get this ball. Like we have the numbers and I start running towards the line. The second we make the move, but I'm never a first guy off the line. And I remember looking, I was like, we're all on sides by a long shot. All right, we just got to get the ball mid-play. And when they called the flag, I was like, that definitely went 10. I was trying to think, like, what what could they be calling right now? Maybe someone went helmet to helmet. I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't see everything. Maybe it was something stupid. And they called off sides. I was like, do you – I remember, like, I was screaming right next to the door. I was like, what number was off sides? What number? And they couldn't even say it. They just said it was off sides. Wow. I was like, that is such a joke. And then we got another kick. We had another go at it. And yeah. this time the numbers were skewed right because they probably brought someone over after we just kicked the left. Thought we we're going to do the same thing again. And Jeff hits the, you know, whoever picked it up for Clemson. I remember the ball was squirting loose, but felt like 10 minutes. And I almost got it. Like Switzer almost got it. I almost had it. Like we should have had that onside kick too. And then after that, it was like complete deflation. I, I so upset. I can't believe they can't give you a number. That's insane. Yeah, no, I, it's insane. I remember, like, they just kept saying, like, shell-shocked, like, it was awesome. They were like, this is not a part of the plan. Clemson wins this game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was that was, that was Dabo grabbing the Buffalo Wild Wings phone. Yeah, just and like, I yeah, actually yeah, – yeah, we, We're going to need this one. They didn't replay it in the stadium. I didn't know, like, how close it actually was. I just remember, like, what I saw, and I was like, maybe he was. Or maybe, like, you know, uh, 
maybe I didn't see. I was adrenaline mid-play. And I got back to the locker room. I was doing post-game interviews. And one of the reporters literally, like, showed me the tweet of the screenshot. And I was like, that's when probably the most upset I was. Because then I knew for sure that we got screwed. Jeez. <laughs> well, it is it is it funny still to hurts. kind of to, to... It does. It yeah. does. I'm yeah. probably getting choked up about it right now. It sucked. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. There, there have been a lot of those, but it does it does feel like, you know, kind of like we talked about tonight, like we, we should be expecting to win the Coastal and have a chance yeah. to do that just about every year from here on out. And so we've asked kind of like some version of this question to basically every guest we've had on is that what is, okay, we have two losses now. Like what does success look like for you the rest of this year? And what does it look like over the next like three to five years if we really want to establish ourselves as a football school? Yeah, I mean, obviously like, High expectations, like let's go ten to, you know. Yeah, that's what I think. Well, ten man. wins. Yeah, in, in reality, but like as you know, the coastal chaos is. We got tough games left. Like Notre Dame's not going to be easy. Wake Forest isn't going to be easy. Pitt. It's not going to be easy. Like uh, you have Florida State and Miami, who you know, don't look that great right now, but you know they could show up any game. So that's tough thing about the coastal is like you're going to have tough games every single week. Pittsburgh looks really good right now. Like. I, yep. You have to think like eight and four years going forward, like that should be our floor. Uh, that's what I would like to see. Mm. Like 2012, my first year, you know, we were eight and four. We won the Coastal. Um, I, I think eight and four is the new floor for me. And then going forward, like we got to win. We got to win the Coastal. Virginia Tech had a run, um, you know, the first when they redid the conferences, Atlantic Coastal, they had a run of like, five or six coastal championships out of seven years, like that should be the run we're about to make. Yeah. And that's why they're so, uh, you know, that's why they're so annoying, especially with that first game of the year, because they they feel it coming. And you know this, Nick, Virginia, a lot of people want to, you know, I'm out in LA, they don't understand why I would hate Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech football fans hate North Carolina football I, because we take their recruits and they, and they hate us. And we're better I, than I hate them. Virginia Tech. I'm, I'm from Virginia and I wanted to go there when I was getting recruited, I really did. My brother and mom went to UVA. I didn't care. Like I wanted to play Virginia Tech football. It was my state. I already did like a kicking camp and it kind of like the recruiting went dark. And I was asking my high school coach, I was like, have you heard anything from the tech guys? They're like, yeah, they don't think you're good enough to be a D1 kicker flat out. Like not even for a walk on. And I was like, okay, all right. Uh, I'm going to an AC school, C school where I'm going to play them every year. Like that I didn't miss Virginia Tech the rest of my career. Like that's, I took that personally. Like, that's the kind of person I am. So I really don't like them, like, at all. Respect. I had a bunch of friends that played there. So I'm, I'm close to those guys still. One, my best friend from high school played there. Um, but this, it's an important week for me every single year, you know? Yeah. I, I would say, like, personally, that week's more important than state week is, which is oh. insane to say to, like, a North Carolina resident. But for me, it is because I'm a Virginia resident. So I knew going into that, like, home opener at tech night game. Like it's going to be freaking loud, especially if they didn't have get to pack the stadium last year. Like we played on Beamer's last home game. They yep. were what a six and five team. And we were 10 and one. Like we were the much better football team that year. We took and, and they're still mad that you guys beat Beamer. That's the other yeah. thing. Like they're, they're, like, they're <laughs> yeah, holding on amazing. to that grudge. They still will hold it. Like if you talk to a tech football fan, they're like, we were supposed to win that game. It's like, no, you yeah. weren't. And then, and then we play the BS game in the, in the hurricane, which yep. never should have happened. We never should have played that game. I remember they were talking about neutral site at like Charlottesville. Um, and we didn't end up doing it, but that's what should have happened. We should have played on Monday or, you know, if that game's not soaking wet, Mitch throws for 350 yards against them. You know, it's yeah. just. And then every time I talk to my friends, oh, Hurricane, Hurricane, like they still, like yeah. they hate us, I think, more than we hate them. I agree. Reason, like it's weird, but I don't know. Yeah, they, we, they just don't like that we don't respect special teams as much as they do. <laughs> and they get really upset about that, especially when you make fun of them doing the hokey pokey. They don't like that. Yeah, anymore. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, Nick, one more thing before you get out of here. I just want to ask you about Mac Brown. Obviously, you know, you played on the Fedora era, but how much have you enjoyed seeing Mac come back to Carolina and, and how exciting has that been? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a dream come true, right? Like, yeah, Mac Brown's a legend. You know, he's an amazing coach. We, I was at practice today, talked to him briefly. You know, he's, 
he's been awesome with former players. He doesn't care which head coach you played for. Everyone's part of the Carolina family. So, I mean, as a former player, that's what you want to hear. You know, coaches are going to come and go the rest of the time. Like, you just want a place that you can go back to and you, you know, dedicated four to five years of your life to. You want to feel welcome. So, yeah, he's done a great job of that. Obviously, incredible job recruiting and rebuilding the program. So, I couldn't be more happy. I hope we, he stays here as long as he can. I love it. I love it. Well, there you have it. Nick Weiler, uh, the man who thought Florida State football in their tracks. We appreciate you coming on Football School, man. And we uh, we got to have you again. We got to have you come back on. And uh, Bryn Renner, the last thing Bryn Renner wanted to shout out that he was very excited to have you on. So, Bryn, if you're listening, uh, Nick did it. What a, what a great interview. I think you might be our favorite guest. <laughs> I appreciate that, guys. It's been awesome. Hey, baby. All right, there you have it, Nick Weiler, man, number 24 on the field, maybe number one in our hearts, Charlie. What a, what a great guy. What a great story. Unfortunately, his NFL career was ended uh, because of Tom Coughlin and Jalen Ramsey, who he threw the cho- tomahawk chop on. Uh, but, you know, aside from that, he's a great guy and uh, has some great stories and a great member of the Carolina football family, of course. Two, like, truly amazing revelations. <laughs> that essentially, as we discussed a bit after that interview and did the math on it, like, Strike one was having long hair in front of Tom yep. Coughlin. Something and, that we loved at North Carolina, yeah. And, and strike three was sitting near Jalen Ramsey in a team meeting and him realizing you were that kicker from North Carolina a year ago who threw the chop. And so yeah. that uh, while it is deeply unfortunate that Nick Wilder did not get a fair shake in Jacksonville or maybe other places after Tom Coughlin called around and had him blackballed, <laughs> uh, he did it for Carolina football. And for that reason, yeah. we will love him forever. He would have had a 10-year NFL career if he did not make that kick in Jalen Ramsey. Because think about it. If he missed that kick, Jalen Ramsey turns around in that meeting in this alternative universe and says, hey, I'm glad you missed that kick. You're my boy. I'm going to make sure you stay on this team, and we're going to lead Jacksonville to some wins. And then the Jacksonville front office says, hey, our top pick loves this kicker from North Carolina. Let's bring him in. Let's keep this thing rolling. And that could have been his destiny. But instead, he said, I'm going to go for glory. I'm going to make sure that North Carolina fans have something to talk about for the rest of this century. And we appreciate that. We need that energy because we are a football school. and We needed that moment because we took their juice. And we and now we are officially a football school. And speaking of, we have to play Florida State this weekend, Charlie. Something that has not been very good uh, during Mac Brown's tenure uh, as a coach, especially at North Carolina. What, what can we say about the Seminoles and what do we expect to see this weekend in Keenan? Well, I mean, you know, the, you're going in and you're looking at, uh, you know, all the, the, the win-loss records this season, the statistics behind this, and you're thinking we should have a very good chance of beating this Florida State team. Florida State opened yeah. up with a, a narrow loss to a good Notre Dame team, and at the time we were thinking, ooh, this, they, they you know, Norvell might have really coached them up since last year. It was pretty dismal, and they, they might have a, a chance of being good this year. And then they promptly lost to Jacksonville State in the last play of the game. And yep. then they lost uh, at Wake Forest, which I don't think is a terrible loss given how good Wake Forest seems to be. Then they lost at home versus Louisville before this last weekend, uh, hitting a 34-yard field goal as time expires uh, and, and celebrating like they won the national championship in a win over Syracuse, which uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions about what that means <laughs> about Florida State's program. Um, that all having been said, it's the basketball team. School. That's what I take away from that. Just that They're a basketball <laughs> school. Leonard Hamilton. They might go to a Final Four this year. There you go. You're exactly right. That is, Florida State is a basketball school. Now, they were they were equally, if not worse, equally bad, if not worse, last season in 2020, but that did not prevent them from beating us 31-28. to 28. So, I think all these games at this point, especially after what happened, you know, Virginia Tech to a certain degree, but definitely Georgia Tech, I'm taking with a grain of salt. And so, you know, there is enough talent on that roster uh, you know, to be just because it is Florida State to where they could show up, and if we don't play well, they could beat us. And so I think you know that has to inform. I, I you know, the the good news being that a lot of those guys were in that locker room last year for the loss, and so I, I promise you that 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 fact is not lost on them. That mm. there's been enough stumbles this season, and we're not, not going to fail to prepare for these games or, or or you know get surprised by something that the other team's going to do. And so you you got to believe that this year. We're going to come out and handle business against a team that just simply is inferior to us. Mac Brown is 0-10 against Florida State. So if you're at home and you're thinking to yourself, this team's 1-4, like you said, we expect to win this game. 
this is a cursed game. This is, you know, college sports, they don't always make sense. It's not always one-to-one where the players that are on the team, the talent is going to necessarily, you know, dictate the outcome. I mean, we witnessed it five years in a row with NC State and Russell Wilson, right? I mean, that NC State wasn't better than those North Carolina teams with Butch Davis, but God, Russell Wilson was going to win those games, you know? And I mean, that that just was, you know, there was something else in the air, and that's what the beauty of college sports is, really, at the end of the day. Bobby Bowden is Mac Brown's, you know, mentor, a guy that he looked up to. Mac Brown played at Florida State, played football there, so it's going up against his alma mater. There's always a lot of mo- emotions with these things. We see all Roy Williams had that when he played Kansas. So there's just a lot that comes into the equation. It's not about playing Florida State. And if you go through the schedule, Louisville's a lot better than I think people were giving them credit for. Their losses are, are like against Wake Forest and against Ole Miss, right? So those are two really good programs that that, that they lost to. Um, Wake Forest is another team that beats Florida State. We know Wake Forest is undefeated and a really good team. Notre Dame still thinks that they have a shot to like go to the playoff or something. Whatever, you know, maybe not after the Cincy loss, but that, that's how they act. So Florida State, even though they're one and four, the record does not necessarily reflect the talent that is in that building. I just want to say first and foremost, thank God they beat Syracuse because if they had lost to Syracuse, I think North Carolina was destined to lose this game because there's no way that they'd be going 0-5 or 0-6 or whatever it would be. So in general, we have to thank Syracuse. We have, we have to bow down and say, basketball school, thank you for doing football school things. And then moving forward, we have to hope that Mac Brown can get over whatever bad voodoo juju that they have on him, and he can finally beat his alma mater because I'm nervous, Charlie. I, I, I view this as a trap game. I think I'd said at the start of the year this could be a trap game, and I'm hoping he has to win one against Florida State, though, and this feels like the year. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the first thing you do in, the, in this instance is, you know, Big time class act alert! Uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna pat ourselves on the back here a little bit. Uh, we yeah. are gonna we are gonna we are honoring Bobby Bowden. This is actually you know somewhat serious. Bobby Bowden, the late Bobby Bowden, passed away of recently. Uh, we are painting a, a mural, uh, a Bobby Bowden tribute uh, on the brick that's next to the visitors section. Uh, Mac tweeted an image out of this. Very cool thing. Think that yeah, Florida with his hat. Yeah, yeah. Give his hat. You know, I think I think uh, you know. There, there's a lot of mutual respect. That's a, that's a good way to start a week that could potentially you know be a, a charged game for for reasons on both sides. For us, because Mac hasn't beat Florida State in forever, and for them because they, they are one and four, and Florida State needs to win football games and lose you know less than. You know, I mean, four four losses is already uh, a season wasted for Florida State. So they're yeah. every game they're 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 going to play with a little extra intensity. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where earlier in the season we're looking at a game like this. If we're in a different place, win loss, like yeah, we should convincingly win this game. Like I, I, you know, the current state, the way the team's playing, like I will take a narrow win. Like I will just take wins. I I, I I'll be happiest if this game, um, if we can just put together a clean game in every phase of the game. Like, I will be happy if we walk away from this game and we say we don't have to talk about the offensive line giving up a bunch of sacks or yeah. Sam holding onto the ball for too long or our running backs failing to, you know, create yards after contact or find holes, and, you know, our receivers failing to create separation, you know, wh- whatever it is, all the things that we've, we've talked about in rotation however many weeks you know in a row now, if we can just play a clean game each of those phases, even if it isn't a blowout, that will feel good. Mm, I agree with that. And I also, I look, if, it's, if, if the score is the exact same score as last year, if it's 31 to 28, North Carolina wins, I'll take that as a win. Because again, this is not about blowing out Florida State. I don't even think that's possible. In the vortex of college football, I don't think the, the powers that be, the, the football gods are going to let us blow out Florida State, no matter what iteration it is. Because as much as I just joked about them being a basketball school, Florida State's a football school. So, I mean, they're, they've got the talent in the building. I mean, they can obviously play up to their town if they decide to do so on any given Sunday or any given Saturday at this point. And so I, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. That's what makes me nervous, you know. But just, you know, pushing it forward from Florida State. Are you going to be at this game? Is, is that the plan, or are you not going to be at this game? I will I will be, you know, back-to-back weekends in Keenan. I love it. Which okay. is always a nice thing after the long hiatus I was on. Um, is Amanda going to be back there as well? Amanda will be energy. back. Okay, good. Uh, you know, uh, her Young her mother, choo-choo. Yeah, her, exactly. You know, Gil will be in the stadium. Gil, oh. uh, Gil, got, Gil got recognized last weekend. Wow. Well, is it, yeah, yeah, so – 
We, yeah, we, who would have thought? Who would one? Who would have thought that you know we have listeners in Keyan Stadium that could spot Gil? So shout out to them. I I love you. I don't know who you are, but I love you. I appreciate you. We had a football school fan come up and and see us at halftime. Which by the way, we love we love you all. The the dozens of you that are out there, we we, we love you all. Yeah. But no, but but uh, yeah, and and then you know upon talking about you Tate and your and your the various podcasts with, with uh, you yeah. on do a great job. I was like, oh well, by the way. Here is Tate's brother right here, Gil, and, and the response from the young woman was, "You're the Gil," which was amazing. So hopefully we can what, get Gil how, to come on did, this podcast because like not what, even I that just, would butter him up enough this week. It's I was going to say like, how, how do you not come on the podcast that is hosted by your younger brother who you who you saw grow up, who you, who taught the tools of the trade, who was asked a simple request: one, be my lawyer for free, and two, <laughs> come on this podcast and and share the knowledge, share the wealth. That's Sh- all I'm asking. Shame on you, Gil. We know you're listening. Shame on you. You better come on this podcast before the season's over. And but- you know what it is. We we text him every single time that we do a show. Or I, I send the text with the show as soon as it's active. As soon as I get the link from Apple, I send it to you and Gil. And Gil will give us a thumbs up. No, no words of encouragement. No, nothing else. Just a thumbs up. And all we need is him to give us a thumbs up and come on the show. Because he has fans. This this is really you know uh, uh, pulling the curtain back. Um, but when I texted him <laughs> this week in my weekly effort to get Gil to come on the show, uh, he, after he, he waited for some number of hours, he was like, um, I don't think I can come on the show, but I think you should have Bobby Rome on the show because he threw a fullback pass against Florida State some years ago. In 09. And, yeah. and he'd be a great person to come on the show. And but, Which, by the way, I would love to have Bobby Rome come on the show. Well, that, I'm going to ask B-Rome. B-Rome loves me. I'm going to get love, B-Rome on the show. Love B-Rome. That notwithstanding, Gil, that does not – you throwing obscure <laughs> trivia at me and trying to misdirect <laughs> me is not going to stray me it's from my work. mission of having you on this show. You will come on this show, Gil Frazier. The worst part about it, Charlie, as the curtain is peeled back, my mom, who, as you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, the, to break the fourth wall, a lot of people, they, they know my personality, which is like super fan, Carolina super fan. And they're not wrong. I'm a Carolina super fan. But if you know my family, I'm probably the most objective of the family. You know what I mean? As far as the passion that goes behind it. My mom is number one, bar none. My brother is 1B. I wouldn't say he's number two. And all we're asking is for them to come on the show and, and get their due, right? Because I'm getting all this adoration and, and like you said, the, these kind people as if it's me. It's not me. In the way that Bane was born in the darkness, you know, and, and it was merely adopted by Batman. I was born in this. You know what I mean? I was born in the Carolina blue is better than everything around you. That that outlook on life, it was two shades of blue. Duke or Carolina, and I, and I grew up in the right one, and and that's all it was, and that's what they preach, and that's what they practice, and we got to hear it on the show eventually. Uh, yeah, Bill, this, is, Billy, this is our plea, Billy and Gil. How could you hear that impassioned statement from your your son slash brother and not want to come on this podcast? That's I just that's a question I'd be asking myself this week. But to to, to yes. take it back to to this weekend's Florida State, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before the show, like it going into Keenan at, you know, this is a week after the loss against Georgia tech that's deflating in a number of different ways. I think that there are a lot of people who, you know, we sold out these games early on in the season. Um, and it felt like, man, we're going to have atmosphere here. Um, and then you lose a couple games early and the expectations change and it's a noon yep. kickoff against, you know, one of your biggest rivals, uh, you know, your biggest rival in a basketball sense, but in terms of an overall sense, right up there with, you know, the States or whoever else is of the world. Um, you know, you, you expect that to, to have some atmosphere and feel like a big game. And it was a, a, a familiar and depressing <laughs> feeling sitting in my seats, you know, moments before opening kickoff and looking around and seeing the scattering of, of empty seats in Keenan because I was just like, you know, I, I will if I if I have the chance to go to a Carolina football game in person, I will always be there, always be on time, always pull for the team. Yeah. I don't care how bad we are. Right. But there are a lot of people that that's just not going to be the case for them as Carolina football fans. And that's – No, there's – yeah. That's there's kinda, a lot of people at the house. Yeah, there's a lot of people just hanging at the house that are like, yeah, I'll go if they're top ten in the country. And you're like, how many times do you get that? You get that like once a decade at best. You know what I mean? Just go. And It's, it's a, hard. It's, Enjoy it. it. It's a shame because I feel like it's a real chicken or egg situation where, you know, there there's obviously a line of thought that's like – okay, be good, and then we'll show up and give you the, the support you deserve. But I think there is I, – I, well, I understand that, you know, especially when the losses are unexpected and brutal in the way that they have been this season. There's part of it's like show up, create some energy for your team, help them feel that on the field and get a win, 
and then you know they're going to play better and so we have to create the environment that they can win in for them to go out and win and so yeah. you know i i think that you know it, it did fill out over the course of the duke game we ended up getting a good win so it, it's all fine now it, it's a 330 this weekend against florida state so not a night game but still a little bit later for, for people have time to kind of wake up drink their coffee you know drink like seven bloody marys and get to the stadium yeah so I, I I just hope it's filled out a little more this weekend. I, I've already gotten a ton of texts from people looking for tickets for the Miami game next weekend. So I think that game is going to be packed, and I'm excited Always. about that. I will not be there, but like Florida State, like I just I just hope it's like okay, we beat Duke, we, we could be back on track. We just got to win. Let's show up and let's really kind of you know give a ton of energy and support to this team, make them feel like hey, we, we still got your back. And to give an example of what you're talking about, I mean, Boston College is probably, I would say if they played at a neutral site, they just beat Clemson. If they play at home, they beat Clemson by two touchdowns. But Clemson wins that game by six at home because of the, the winning atmosphere that they have in that building. You know what I mean? You go down to their version of Death Valley, and they're going to make sure that you know that they expect to win this football game, and their team plays accordingly. And that is, like you said, it's a chicken or egg situation. Keenan Stadium has always been mocked by the NC States of the world, the local media. That's their favorite. You know, this is what the local. I used to be in the press box, so I used to always laugh at this. Like it would be thirty minutes before kickoff, and then some local media person takes a picture of the empty Keenan Stadium and goes, "You know, big game today for the Tar Heels." You know, wink, wink. You know, laugh, laugh. Chortle, chortle, chortle. You know what I mean? Move on, move on. And I know that it's a running big bit. I know it's funny. I know that, you know, the local media and, and I feel like a state fan right now. I'm like attacking the local media. Uh, you know, I, I, know, <laughs> yeah, I, know exactly. I feel like that guy right now. But it, I, 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 I get it. You know what I mean? But it doesn't mean that we can't have the football school atmosphere. We have the blue zone. They have drinks, for God's sakes. I mean, when I when we were in school. You couldn't drink at the stadium like that. Like that was not an option. You couldn't like, you know, we were the ones that had airplane bottles like in our pants and, you know, all over the place. And you're getting patted down and <laughs> getting sent out like now you can go there and enjoy yourself. Have a nice adult beverage uh, if you were of age. I mean, this this is it's a great place to be in a great hangout, great merch like you have. You got fresh merch. on. I mean, why not go to Keenan Stadium and have a beautiful day, even if it is a little bit early? Bring the family. I mean, my my nieces went with Gil. I mean, they, they, that was their first kind of football game. They had a ball. They so, had a literal ball. L- let me tell you, now it's not just the Blue Zone where they sell beer. They sell in the whole stadium. I was stunned by this. I thought it was just Blue Zone. <laughs> so, you know, a, a man and I were sitting in 105 for the first half of the game. Was, yeah. was drinking all, you know, getting delicious, like, you know, local, local beers, you know, really, you know, had a nice hot dog, a great nice. experience in Keenan. Shout Can't out to Carolina it. Brewery. Great, great place. We love that place. Love that. It's a sky blue Carolina <laughs> Brewery, right? Do I have yeah, that right? Exactly. Or is that top of yeah, the Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, sky blue. I think you're right. Sky yeah. blue, sky blue Kolsch. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's a man who, who vaguely knows his Carolina beers. When I go to, when I go to Topo, I don't drink beer. I just get Kansas City ice waters. And that's Ooh. why I've had a lot of problems at Topo over the years. I mean, good problems, you know what I mean? But I'm yeah. just shacking the full in there and having a lot. Having, having too much the fun. type of problems you uh, want to have at Sapo. yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. but but then, then I'll, I'll say I hope I I hope this I don't get banned from the blue zone future rations I'm actually I'm planning <laughs> to get a blue zone season ticket next year but I snuck I into it. the blue zone for the second half so please don't please don't kick me out when I try to do the same thing next week I will not be wearing a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> so you will not be able to find me and I had one of the best cake pops I've ever had in my entire Ooh. life a little Carolina okay. blue chocolate cake pop that's oh, what I like that's that. I mean just, to your point like you know I got a great shirt there you know I I, I got you just had a great pop. experience I had a I had a, a beautiful wonderful Saturday afternoon in Keenan Memorial Stadium Chapel Hill North Carolina and so if you're listening to this podcast now and God bless you if you are and you're a Carolina fan and you're in the triangle and you're on the fence as to whether you want to watch this game in the comfort of your home in front of your television I understand why you're thinking about that or yeah. you want to go and buy one of those last few tickets on StubHub to go see him play Florida State this weekend, buy the ticket. It's going to be worth it. You're going to have a great time, and, and and you're going to be there for the boys. You're going to be making the 40-year decision, not the four-year one. You are you're going to be being the one, and that's that's all we can ask of you. We, that's really all we can ask. And I, and I should say, I was supposed to be at the Duke football game. That was the original plan. I was supposed to go to Disney World with my family, my nieces, and have this beautiful experience and then go to the Duke football game. And at that time, we were going to be undefeated in, 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 in you know, our planning. And So I'm actually a culprit of what you're talking about. You know, I, I was a Fairweather fan. I did not make the flight back. Granted, there were work reasons behind it, but at the end of the day, if we were undefeated, I probably, even if I didn't go to Disney World, I would have come back for the Duke game just to feel it. 
I think I'm going to come to the Wake Forest game, though, because I, I have uh, – you know this. Like, I have a soft spot for Wake Forest. I, I used to go to Wake Forest basketball camp. You know, my, my aunt and uncle li- – my mom's uh, sister and, and, and my aunt and uncle lived in Winston-Salem. So, I, I'm excited to see Wake be good. I've always liked Wake, you know what I mean, from afar – but now that I like they're Clemson right now, you know, and I and I see them and I'm like, we got to beat Wake Forest. I think I should be at that game. So November 6th is, is what I have circled on my calendar before that date. We got to win all these football games before. And then I'm going to come in hot, Charlie, uh, and I'm going to be in Chapel Hill. And I'm going to be like the Mike man of the old days. You have to be like 70 years old to even know who the Mike man was. But there used to be a man in the end zone that had a microphone uh, back in the Mark May days. That was basically just getting the crowd hype. It was like, let's go. Let's get loud. It's third down, you know. Let's make a stop here, Tar Heels. That's the energy I'm bringing into Keenan Stadium. And we need that from everybody. We need to get loud. We need to make stops. We need to make plays. And, Charlie, we need to be the one. We need to be the one. I'll tell you what, Tate. I also – I do not have tickets to Wake. If you decide to come to Wake, let's we're gonna get go tickets to together. Game. We're going to go to the yeah. Wake game. We're going to go to the Wake game. All right. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to see what Wake's about. We're going to see if they're really – because I hope they're undefeated. You know what I mean? I hope and so. that game, and we have a chance to win that state championship. Wouldn't that be – I mean, isn't that the most beautiful football school thing ever? Like, us beating an undefeated Wake in Keenan mm. Stadium and, and being elated about it and just looking around and being like, wow, like what a time. It's like it's, yeah. like, it's like Virginia Tech rushing the field at home after beating us. It's just it – yeah. it just, you know – we we look look just well, couple, wakes fo- a football, couple football school. schools, couple football <laughs> schools, you know. Yeah, you know, what, don't get mad when we tweet that we're a football school after we beat Wake Forest. You know what I mean? Don't don't say you just beat Wake Forest. Say you beat ranked, you know, number ten Wake Forest because that will be the case. I think if they're undefeated at that point, um, that's the game that we're marking. That's the game that we're circling. Charlie, anything else before we get out of here? Let's beat the shit out of Florida State. Let's beat the shit out of Florida State. Let's go, Mac. Let's break that curse. We will see you next week. Hey, baby.